Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to another episode of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm your host, Megan Dwyer. Today, I am sharing my conversation with Jennifer Love. Jennifer is a money therapist, which is the coolest title ever, um, a wealth philosopher and a business advisor. If you love diving into the weeds on how the human brain works, like myself, uh, learning more about how our emotions work and ultimately like learning how we can strive to live a life that we actually want, you're going to love this conversation. So Jennifer is the visionary CEO of the Living Wealth Institute, where she helps world leaders develop a healthy relationship with wealth free from overwhelm and anxiety by following a regenerative money equation for a holistic and nourishing experience. Leaders who know how to raise, manage, grow, and contribute money can live soulful, wealthy lives to become allies for future generations to come. Jennifer believes that anything is possible while remaining grounded in science and real business practices and hard financial analytics. On any given day, Jennifer can be found diving deep with a leader in a private money therapy session, taking long contemplative walks and hikes through nature, guiding groups of leaders through workshops and retreats, um, serving as a guest judge for entrepreneurial events, speaking on stage as a wealth philosopher. She could be in her art studio shaping her artistic magic onto canvas. She could be preparing entrepreneurs on how to land a deal on Shark Tank, um, in her writing studio developing a book on paper, meeting with community leaders and government officials, negotiating investors, um, advising leaders of Fortune 200 companies and celebrities through her living wealthy model, or just being at home enjoying time with her sweetheart John and her fur baby Maggie and her adored garden of plants. That is quite the biography. But honestly, this is such a fun conversation. Through Jennifer's expertise working with women, she provides her insights into how we can embrace what's holding us back and begin to have a better relationship with money and ourselves. So in our conversation, we talk about this concept of waking up to what is actually running your show, uh, why we become addicted to our money problems, the law of subtraction, um, the power of emotions, which is so crucial, facing shame, and so much more. If you guys want to hear more from Jennifer, you can check out her website at the um, livingwealthinstitute.com. You can also check out her personal site, jenniferlove.com, where you can take her Living Wealthy quiz. And she's also out there on Instagram at the Jennifer Love. And she also has a podcast herself called The Nature of Money. So you can go check that out anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, you guys, without further ado, here's my conversation with the delightful Jennifer Love. Enjoy. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Hey, lady. You're welcome. Glad to be here. I would love to have you start by telling us a little bit more about yourself and your mission in the world. Mm, 
Well, if I was to say my mission straight out, people would be like, huh, what? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's to end emotional poverty. Um, and, mm-hmm. and really, what do I mean by that? Um, it, it's to really help people step into living fully wealthy and to feel a state of inner freedom. Um, we have the war going on in the world, lots of war going on in the world right now, but really, where does the war start? It starts inside of us. And so my mission is to help us end the war that's going on inside mm. of us. Find, find peace, find joy, find happiness, and to live abundantly, prosperously, and wealthy in all aspects, um, in all of our wealth ecosystems, the, the human, the relational, and the financial. That's mm. my mission. It's so needed. Mm. So what does that look like? <laughs> like, you know, how do you do that? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, you know, I, I, I think it makes sense to probably go back a little bit in time um, before I get into the how, you know, and what I do with that. Um, and I'll take you back to uh, me, the inner child as a three-year-old. Um, and we all have a money story. And our money story got its origin somewhere in our, our early childhood, typically somewhere between, you know, two, three, uh, to about eight years old. Well, mine was three. (laughs) That's where it started. And, um, we were living my family, my father, my, my mother, my brother, my father was a successful entrepreneur. My mom was a stay at home mom. And um, this particular afternoon, I'm standing in the hallway and I'm listening to my parents fighting um, behind their closed bedroom door. I can hear my father punching holes in the walls. I can hear my mother crying and I'm standing there. I'm scared, um, but I'm, I'm feeling frozen. It was a trauma moment for me. I literally froze and I could see then my father coming down the hallway past me and out the front door of the house. I turn, I look at my mom and she's sitting there on the bed and she's crying. And so I went to her, I crawled up on the bed next to her, we're sitting these cut up credit cards. And she looked down at the three-year-old little me and she said, your dad's leaving, he's not coming back and we don't have any money. Whoa, that was was intense. And that was the day that we went from living rich to living in poverty, literally for quite some time. And I'll talk in a moment about how that became kind of my story um, and how that translated out (laughs) into how I made, what I made it mean and how that related in my financial life and how it showed up in my financial life. Yeah. Um, But, you know, here I am with two parents also whose own money stories um, were coming from a place of wounding and um, scarcity and lack and fear. And, and so, you know, I find that no matter what side of the street we're on, whether we have lots of money or we don't, the fear is still the same. The anger is still the same. The shame is still the same. Um, And we'll talk about emotions coming up, but that three-year-old me, what I took forward into my life was, oh, well, I'm not lovable enough for my father to stay. Mm. I'm not good enough for him to pay child support. Right. So well, how did I step out into that? I, one, I'm stepped into being the victim, but I also stepped into being the hero because I wanted to be the good daughter 
and I want like mom's got too much going on. There's too much for her to deal with. So I'm going to be good. And I'm also going to prove that I am lovable because mom doesn't have enough like psychological, emotional energy to give me what I need. And my father is gone. So there was this sense of abandonment that was happening inside of me. And so I set off into proving energy yeah. and into saving energy, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, that's it's like, <laughs> it's like, if you can just be the good little girl then, and do everything you're told, then all those things will go away. Right. That's what we believe. Right. Somehow yeah. then I'll be enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the enoughness, not enoughness story started for me really young and because I'm naturally talented, I've got a certain level of smartness and definitely a lot of determination. Like God gave me an extra dose of tenacity and determination. Um, I set out with some strengths of achieving and I did, you know, achieve, 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 achieve. And along my life I went, um, and I've you know founded six companies. A couple of them are still going strong. And chocolate company called Nibmore.com, um, wholesale chocolate. And um, you know got my graduate degrees in psychology and the human organizational behavior and development, and really wanting to understand like what's going on with humans. All the while, I'm trying to figure myself out. Right. <laughs> Right. I'm trying to figure out my parents out. I'm trying to figure out what, what is going on here? <laughs> well, and I feel like that's why so many of us get into fields like that, right? Because we want to mm-hmm. figure ourselves out along the way. And oh, we're also, I think naturally helping uh, naturally like to help other people. So we gravitate towards that without realizing that we're, we're trying to figure ourselves out in the process. Yeah, I've absolutely used business as a tool for healing um, because I got really good at doing the business thing, but then I really needed to come back and work on my own inner freedom and come back into my own sense of feeling whole. Um, so, you know, we can, we can study other people and a lot of therapists do, we can study other people, but we got to actually do the work ourselves. Otherwise we're kind of walking around the world. Like, I don't know if you know much about the world of astrology, but we're otherwise we're kind of like Chiron, the wounded healer walking around, you know, helping to heal others, but not actually really ever whole in our, you know, feeling well in ourselves. And so that's, that's really what I had to go back and do. And so I, you know, had all the success, um, you know, press recognition and, you know, the the business is thriving and money in the bank and the, you know, the real estate and blah, blah, blah. But the problem was that I got to this place in my thirties where I was completely burnt out. I felt more emptied. I felt I was alone. I was sad. Um, I was angry. I felt shame. And I had all these emotions that I hadn't processed for myself. Mm. And so I, I had come through a cycle of being bulimic for 10 years. I was bulimic for 10 years of my life. Trauma station was like embedded in my spirit, in my body, right? In my mind. And so I had to go through a process through this burnout of reclaiming myself and freeing myself so that I could live wealthy right? Living wealthy is more than just the money that we have in the bank or what we invest. You know this. Um, And so it's a reclamation process. And so I went back and did that for myself. And through that process, then really built out the Living Wealthy Institute. 
And that's where, you know, I've been doing this money therapy work for, gosh, a really long time, <laughs> a really long time, really 20 years. Um, but as a, you know, kind of front facing money therapist um, for the last 10. And it's just been a remarkable process, not only for myself, Megan, but and also witnessing others stepping into beginning to look through the lens of life that it's happening for me, yeah. not to me. And um, in processing the anger, the shame, the fear, which are really the three top primary emotions associated with our relationship with money. Mm -hmm. um, now, there are many emotions around money, but these are the three most common that we see really impeding people's relationship with money. And what we also know from the science is that more than 90% of all of our financial decisions are being made based on our emotions. So, yeah. so we spend a lot of time, you know, trying to figure out how to make the money. What's the best system? You know, how can I make more of it? And how can I invest it? Right. How can I protect it? Make sure I don't lose it. Like we're, you know, but all of this by behind the scenes is all being run by our emotional state. Like, so what emotional state are you in? How are you making decisions about how you're spending or about how you're investing or about how you're giving? Is it from a place of fear yeah. or is it from a place of trust? Because those are very different places to be giving from or mm -hmm. investing from, mm -hmm. right? I, I talk about this a lot. I talk about intention with our spending and it all comes down to what are our values? What are, what are the things that we care about? And I actually think that emotional spending is it's labeled as such a bad thing, but I think all spending is emotional. And I believe that we just need to spend in alignment with those things that we care about. Right. Because that, and that yeah, will yeah. Eliminate, eliminate a lot of that shame and guilt, but it's a process, right? Because I feel like culture has set us up to struggle with that. And we're taught that we should always be striving for the next thing, right? We're supposed to be checking those boxes and we're supposed to have the family, the house with the white picket fence, the, the nice car, the nice job, the nice everything, right? Have but, you watched the century of the self? No. Oh my gosh. You and everyone that's listening, write this down right now. Watch. It's a four-part series on YouTube. What you just described, Megan, is like, actually really explained in this four-part series called The Century of the Self. And it's based on the perspective that like culture, society um, has really created this construct of consumerism, yeah. of not enoughness, right? And that there's a whole PR campaign back many years ago that got started to create this whole experience that we're now in and therefore now is impacting greatly our emotional state of being. Mm, I love it. It's, I think these are things that need to be put out there for everybody to realize. I completely agree. I don't, I think we get so caught up, right? In that, in the culture and we get so caught up in caring what other people think of us and it's just to our detriment. So I love that things like this are bringing it more mainstream to people's attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need to understand um, part of this is what I call a waking up period. Like you hear a lot about the consciousness movement 
but this is this is a a waking up to what is running your show yep um, and and if, if we wake up to that then we have choice and we can choose again but what I'm seeing, and you know, a lot of the work, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza is doing a lot of work around, you know, this as well. Like our environment and identity is what makes us up. So we are producing and reproducing the same level of mind every single day. Like if the input is remaining the same, well, then the output is remaining the same. And from this place, how do you create anything different? Well, the reality is that you don't. Each day you're going to create more of the same, which is why your brain is equal to your environment. Right. And so when, when those things are in alignment, you have a lot of immense power, but here's the reality that only 5% of the mind is conscious and it's struggling against the 95% of the mind that is unconscious. And, and so if we're unconscious, which is then really being controlled by um, so so many things like DNA is controlling all of light, activating our genes, and then changing our thoughts, changing our feelings. Yeah. This is the world of neuroplasticity, right? And so repressed stress, which is what repressed anger, shame, um, and uh, fear are doing. It's creating stress. It's turning on illness genes, which is creating more disconnection inside of us. Why? Be- because we're putting up defense systems. Why? Because we go into a trauma state. We freeze, we fight, or we, you know, we're people pleasing through fawning on the, the variety of different expressions of this. Yeah. And, and so we're in a time and we become unconsciously then addicted to our money problems. We actually become addicted to them. Mm-hmm. Because our unhealthy relationships keep us stuck in our life to feed that addiction to survive. So yeah. it's moving us to these survival oriented emotions so that we can remember who we think we are because we've attached to the identity of who we are, this environment in which I'm living in that part of society has helped create, but that I've also bought into and that I'm actually perpetuating more of. And we just love that rush of energy we get from our mummy, our money troubles. Isn't that insane? It's so convoluted. Right. And, um, I agree. I I think that the brain and you know, so much more about brain science than, than I do just from the last couple of minutes talking, but I know that the brain tries to keep you safe. So, and I know from a basic level that, um, it's hard to make changes, right. And the brain, because the brain wants to do whatever it can to, to keep it, to keep you alive. And that's basic things, right? Like protecting you and protecting your, your, your instincts and not allowing you to take risks. And it feels good to some extent to feel bad because it's pattern and it's, it doesn't feel good sometimes to make changes and it's work to feel like to, to think about things in a more positive and or realistic light. Right. So I really think that there's a lot to be said there around what's holding women back from feeling good about their relationship with money. Exactly. And, and so much of what I see and I can speak to this for myself as well, is that we've forgotten that money is neutral. Money is mm-hmm. only, it's literally a mirror to what's happening inside of us. Mm-hmm. It's a tool. It's a resource. It's a, 
you can, it's a tool, it's a resource and it's, and it can be wonderful or it can be a horrible experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we ultimately decide we, and, and, and so much of how we're deciding is unconscious. That's the thing. We think we want something else, but yet there are all these things that are happening that are blocking or sabotaging because one, maybe we're blocking a lot of receiving gosh, that there's so much work in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also perpetuating an addiction to the life and the experience that we're having the same thing over and over and over again, which is why we also see a lot of debt cycles going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also living in a society that's perpetuating debt is okay. We'll just live in a big sack of debt. Well, I also know that from my work with, with money um, and debt is that there's a ton of forgiveness work that is necessary. Um, as it relates to um, getting out of a debt cycle. Well, self-compassion, I think, is the key to all mm-hmm. every bit of work mm-hmm. that you do on this because, because you're not going to be able to make it if you're going to beat yourself up the whole time. That's right. Yeah. So what does your process working with women look like mm-hmm. when they come to you? And you, know, you, ha- you mentioned the, the Living Wealthy Institute. Where does somebody start? So I guess what, what does somebody who comes to you for the first time, like off the street said, I want to work on my relationship with money. I want to start living wealthy in all aspects of my life. Where do I start? Yeah. A great place to start is um, through the living wealthy quiz, which is on the website, jenniferlove.com. Um, so the living wealthy quiz is right there. Take that quiz. It's going to give you a lot of good insight as to, um, for some, it can be confronting for some. It's like, yay. Okay. I'm actually making some progress here for myself. Um, but it gives you a bit of a score of where you are and then gives you some suggestions on things you can do, um, to move through that beyond that. Um, also we're working on a new show right now, um, you can catch that over on Instagram, which is the Jennifer love. But one of the, the places, like my favorite place to sit in space with folks and like where, where I work, you know, with groups to really help them in a workshop environment is through our butterfly ceremony series. And, and so, well, what is that? And I mean, and why am I even calling this, this, the butterfly ceremonies Yeah. Um, in, in ancient Greek and for many civilizations, actually, the word butterfly means psyche, meaning soul. And the butterflies process the metamorphic process from the caterpillar to the chrysalis to being a winged creature um, is recognized as a process of shedding of oneself. It's then a rebirthing and an emerging um, in a new form. And so for me, what I know to get to the law of attraction, which is where everyone wants to immediately rush to, like, I want to manifest, I want to bring in more, I want to, you know, know how to do all these things and feel light and free and yummy. Well, that's awesome. But what we first often most need to do is the law of subtraction. And so we've got to go in and take a look and take a great inventory on, well, what is running my show? Like if only 5% of me is conscious, then what's the other 95% of me doing? And, and how can I get aware of what it's doing, but then also know what to do with it and see what, what part of those things are true, not true. And how can I compost that so I can break it down and clear it out so that I'm not 
you know, having blind spots or sabotaging my, myself financially and that I can move through the emotions that I need to move through so that I can actually get clear on, well, what do I even want? What do I need? And what do I even want? And then, and then stepping into a place of being clear through our values and through a lot of the things that I know you talk about, Megan, making, you know, being able to really make clear choice through, through a clear aligned place inside of ourself around our money life, our money relationship. Yeah. And, and I talk about the need to slow down, just sit with yourself for a few minutes and ask yourself, what do I want? Now, my, I mentioned to you, my, my audience here is a lot of busy moms, right? And in, you know, we're in our thirties and forties and we're running around juggling everything. We're working, we're trying to, to manage a house. We're trying to manage kids. We've got so much on our plates in some days. It feels like for me in particular, my brain is just swirling. And how could I possibly have the time to take a few minutes to sit down and ask myself what I want? How do I possibly, even if I do give myself that time, how do I know what that is? And so it is hard. It's, it's not an easy exercise to do. Um, But I think one place that I suggest starting is like, you know, just literally getting out a piece of paper and saying like, okay, um, I want to take a shower. I want a glass of water. I want like whatever it is that just feels so basic and then just let your brain start to go from there. Um, And sometimes it might be even helpful to also go in the reverse route saying like, I don't want, I definitely don't want this chaos. I don't want like this, you know, the screaming. I don't want my house to be a mess. I don't want like whatever it is. And that helps kind of like get the juices flowing. But I think that's the challenge is where do you like start with figuring out what it is that you want in this life? And then you can take it from there, but figuring that out is, is a challenge in and of itself. Yeah. And so, so often what I find is that people have a really hard time getting to the clarity of what they want because there first actually needs to be some things that need to be subtracted um, because their, their boundaries in the way in which they've made themselves not matter in their own life and oh. in their own relationships is yeah is really blocking them. Um, And so another really great place, if you're feeling like you're having a hard time getting to, well, what do I want? I feel like, well, what I want is like for, you know, be able to pay, you know, my, my, my kids college, or I want to buy a new beautiful home. Okay. Yeah, that's great. But why? Why are those things important to you? Why do you really want that? And keep asking yourself that like 10 times, drill down to the like real purest part of why do you want that? Why is that important to you? And if you're having a hard time getting to that, then start with the question, where in my life am I making myself not matter? And why am I doing that? Take a look around, go shopping. Like, like call it harvesting, go harvesting for the gold of like, where in my life am I just making myself not matter? And, you know, coming back to the, you know, I'm thirsty or I need to hydrate, but I'm actually not hydrating myself. I'm not getting enough water in my day. Well, why is that? Why are you not pausing and taking care of yourself? What's happening? How, how are you making something else more important than you? Yeah. Yep. I do it all the time. <laughs> 
<laughs> we forget to eat, right? We forget to mm-hmm. go to the bathroom some days because we're just on autopilot, whether it's, you know, juggling three hours of meeting straight or, or just with our kids all the time. And they always need something from us or just going straight and not having that, that time in between to decompress or just like check in with yourself. Have I taken care of myself today? Right. Yes. What is the law of subtraction look like? So if you, if you can't figure out what it is that you actually want. And that's because there's so many things that are getting, that are, that are floating around in your head that are sort of creating chaos, not allowing you to see clarity of, of what is truly underneath. What does that process look like? Do you just start, do you, do you have somebody write out on a piece of paper, like everything that's going on in their day or like, where, where do you start with that? Well, there's a whole process in level one, the caterpillar, where we're taking them through practices, tool, like all kinds of things, ways. And, but I call it the three-headed drama llama process. And so we're looking in large part through the lens of the victim, the hero, and the bully. Um, because I know that that's showing up in all of our lives and we're yes. playing on that stage. And so we go scavenge hunting. Um, to find all the bits and pieces and nuggets in the soil of our, our life that is unconscious, that 95% that's unconscious, that's running the show that we don't know about. Yeah. We start, we start there of, of really digging into. And so there's a whole process we use um, all kinds of worksheets and exercises that we guide them through um, Mm -hmm. to really, to really unpack all of that and gain all of that awareness as the hungry caterpillar. And, um, and then when you get into the level two as the chrysalis, then it's a deep clearing out and a deep forgiveness um, process, which comes into radical acceptance and deep, deep ownership. And that is the thing that I am seeing that people are just not doing in the world. They're not taking responsibility for their side of the street. And, and also looking through the lens of life is happening for me all of these things that I've experienced in my life that either someone else, yes, I was victimized, but I don't have to live a life as a victim, right, is impacting us. Um, And so let's take ownership of our part. And let's also put on different glasses and look through like, hey, this is happening for me, not to me. And then guess what, our relationship with money begins to really start to flow in a whole nother way, because we've not only gained the awareness of what's running us. And so we can choose again and have more access to what's, you know, choices, but then we're clearing it out and we're forgiving ourselves, but we're also forgiving other, and we're taking on an entirely different mental framework to even look at life through. And Mm -hmm. that changes everything. And then that prepares you for the law of attraction, the manifesting. I love this. You have a whole process around how those walls are broken down, right? Those walls need to come down. And first you need to identify what those walls are. And then there's steps to take in order to, to, to break it down entirely and start to become, to become, to become the nothingness, right? The caterpillar winds itself into the chrysalis and then it releases the digestive enzymes. It breaks itself down, literally becomes this gooey soupy, you know, little thing of nothingness. 
So we've got to go into the chrysalis of ourselves to compost and break all this stuff down and become nothing, break down the ego that has been so attached and addicted to the life and environment that we've created for ourselves financially. And then go, oh, wait a minute, there's another way. Let me take a look at all this, you know, 95% of unconscious stuff and like, let me actually reorganize it in a way that I actually will benefit from. And that will feel good for me so that I can live wealthy in my life and have joy and peace and freedom. And also maybe even be generous in the world with others and help them do the same. Yeah. And so, and so we have to become that nothingness. We have to break it down. We have to compost it in order to be able to step into a new form and yeah. fly and manifest no, as a butterfly. I, I mean, that makes sense because it's so hard to just it's funny. It's like when as a from like a parent perspective, right? Like I grew up being told, Oh, just calm down, Megan, you know, just stop crying, you know, just stop feeling that way. And it's like, no, no, no. Like that's not exactly how it works. Right. You can't just tell me to calm down and I'm going to just, okay, I'm going to flip a switch and I'm just going to calm down. Right. You have to actually like treat what's going on underneath the surface. Right. And so you can't just like shift from like one feeling to another feeling without doing some kind of or without having the understanding and doing some kind of work and digging and digging beneath the surface to determine like what it is that's causing this. Right. So I really think that like, yeah, you have to, you have to deal with that stuff. And so many people think that they can just go into a new belief without completely healing the old beliefs first. And that's just setting you up for confusion and ultimately just going back to regressing to where you were before. Right. That's Um, right. Yeah. We, we can, we can tame the inner critic, but it, but it requires actually catching it and becoming a witness to it so that it doesn't control us. And then we can compost it and say, and find the wholesome aspect of it so that, you know, I'm a slow learner, you know, becomes actually, I take the time that I need the first time to learn the information right? We, we can find what's actually true under all these things, but if you don't actually sit and do the work of it, you're right. You know, you'll continue to perpetuate the the exact life that you're living with the exact way that you feel about it and get more and more of the same. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it makes so much sense. Can we talk about emotions for a few minutes. Um, mm-hmm. I know one of the principles that you believe in that you use in the work that you do is how valuable emotions are and embracing vulnerability and using our emotions in a positive way. And that seems it's something that I talk about a lot. And I really think that emotions are a gift. However, Uh, so many of us weren't brought up that way. Like we grew up Mm -hmm. in an environment where we were not allowed to have emotions or our emotions were, oh, stop. I just mentioned it. Stop feeling that way. You shouldn't feel that way. Just, you know, push it down, push it down, sweep it under the rug. Um, Never make it look like, you know, you are upset or you're stressed or, you know, just, just, it's all about the presentation. Right. And so as somebody who is a very deeply feeling person, a very sensitive person, somebody who wears their heart on their sleeve, I found 
I find life to be particularly challenging sometimes mm-hmm. because I feel like I go out into the real world and it's almost like a layer of my skin has been taken off. I'm just out there just taking in all of the, the world around me and that I, and I get so impacted by that, especially in the, the industry that I'm in. I am a CFP. I, I'm finan- I, I've been in this finance world, which is particularly male dominated and t- you know, it, there's some tough times, there's some tough moments and there's, I feel like sometimes I don't have a thick enough skin right? In order to be able to handle that. I'm learning now that that's not quite that I have a lot of empathy and that's not, that's not quite true because I can have just as much value as somebody else that does have a very thick skin in this industry. But I'd love to hear more about your perspective on emotions and how it can actually be helpful and valuable to us in our everyday lives and, and in this process of, of healing our relationship with money? Yeah. Well, I see emotions as our friends. Um, and that's a very different framework to be looking through um, than what we were certainly generationally taught. Right. Um, but the truth is, it's a, huge, part, a big part of what distinguishes us as humans is that we are born to feel. We were born with a gift, one of our greatest gifts. We have these five senses, but then we also have this innate ability to feel things. That is what makes us human. We were born with this and we were designed to feel in all of the ways. It is one of our greatest gifts. And if we can come to recognize that our feelings are actually our friends so that when anger rises or when shame comes up, can you literally imagine, envision yourself inviting that anger, inviting that shame to sit down next to you and have a conversation with you where you literally ask, hey, anger, tell me all about it. What are you angry about? What's going on for you? Right? And, and so if we begin to really listen to what the emotion is in, it's telling us in the world, we would hear this being referred to as emotional intelligence, the intelligence that that emotion has for us, the information it wants to share. It's trying to tell you something. It's trying to help you out saying, hey, something's going on. Something's wrong, right? And, and it actually with anger or any other emotion, we have a physical sensation that goes along with it. Our body is literally reacting and communicating with us. Hey, something's going on. Let's listen to this, please. So if we sit down and literally have a conversation, hey, anger, like, tell me all about it. Like, give anger a voice. Let it be heard, right? Then we can begin to understand what's really happening for us. And then we can decide what we want to do from it. Boy, what a conscious mature way to go about living. Oh, I'm angry because, well, no wonder. What is my need? What are the needs that I have underneath that? If I can identify my needs, maybe I can make a request to myself or of other in a really healthy way. And I could express my anger in a way that is actually really healthy, but it also um, brings some resolve, it brings some, some shift to what I need that I'm not getting in some way. 
Yeah. And I think of this a lot uh, lately with the concept of mom rage. Um, mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast recently with a child psychologist. And one of the things that she was talking about was when we feel this overwhelming, like anger or rage, or just, you know, urge to yell at our kids or frustration, whatever that is, it's, it's hard in the moment, right? Sometimes, but it's hard to stop and pull ourselves out of it. But just realize that when you're in that moment, it's because of unmet needs, right? So what is it? Maybe, maybe it gets to, it's, that particular day, you were feeling particularly resentful at your spouse, or you didn't sleep, or you forgot to eat, or you haven't, for me, I don't know, gone for a run in a month because it's been so hot and you haven't had time taking care of the kids or whatever it is. Like I, I just, I, everybody has their own individual needs in order to keep them balanced. And when those needs aren't fulfilled, that's when things come out. So I agree. I think that it's using that as you know the emotional intelligence, using the emotions to help figure out what that is. But I guess a question I have for you is how do you stop it if you're not proud of how the emotions come out? If you're not proud of how they come out of you, how you're expressing them to yeah. other, you mean? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, sure. That's going to happen. So that's where we pick up. I, I love to use rose quartz. <laughs> I, I have mm-hmm. lots of rose quartz. I give it to a lot of clients. Like I use things like that as a symbol of, of something, right? And to me, rose quartz is a symbol of compassion and love. So we're going to make mistakes because, well, congratulations, you're human. Um, if you can come back to, oh gosh, I, yeah, I didn't really handle that in the best way, but, and also what's happening for me is true. Like I'm having a real experience. I'm having some unmet needs, but how it came out of me, I need to go do some repair um, and clean up around. Well, go do the repair and go do the cleanup. Um, Making sure that, you know, you're owning your side of the street, but, and also making sure that you're being clear on, Hey, I'm realizing here's what's actually going on for me. I, I can feel this in my body in this, in this place. Here's what I feel. I feel a tightening. I can feel like it's short, my short breath. And, you know, the emotion that I'm feeling is, is, is anger. Like I'm enraged and here are all the thoughts associated. Here's what's going on in my head around it. Right. So if we can speak to owning what's true for our own experience, then we minimize someone else's defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And then we can literally say, okay, here are all the thoughts. And then what I'm recognizing that I need is I just need some spaciousness. I'm losing my freaking mind here, you know, right. I, I need some help. What I need is some help. Can we talk him? And then you can begin to make a healthy request. Gosh, could we figure out how to like, get me some spaciousness so that this is not my experience? Well then, and and if it, you know, if you're in a relationship with a man, I mean, all they want to do is help you solve a problem. (laughs) And so it becomes a different experience. you, You know, that repair can be a fairly simple and useful repair when you're coming from ownership of your own experience. Yeah. And I think allowing yourself to own those feelings also, also takes you out of the heat of the moment and allows you to create space to figure out what it is that you need, because when you're in that moment and you are, you, you're all worked up, 
you can't think logically to say, I need help right now. You're not in that, the right place in order to do that. So I think that's really important to give yourself space. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also know that anger is a natural human emotion. And as a woman, because I know that a lot of women have a lot of shame around feeling anger and it's something that they don't think that they're that in touch with or that they know how to control. And so they, they try to repress it. They try to control it, but really underneath all of that, you know, it's festering. And so that's why it then ends up coming out as rage. Um, And so like, give yourself permission also to be angry, but to do it in a healthy way. Well, you just touched on something too, cultural expectations of males versus males versus females, right? I think that it's okay in our culture for men to have all of their emotions, whatever they're feeling underneath, whether it is, whether it's sad, afraid, anxious, whatever, come out as anger, because that's something that we have kind of in our society, we have deemed as, oh, okay, that's okay for men. But for women, it's not for women. It's, you have to always put on a smile, always be helpful, always be, be positive and the one that's taking care of everybody and always put on a happy face. And you know what I mean? So I agree with you that there's definitely shame in feeling something that we were taught, whether in our homes or through culture, we were taught that we shouldn't feel. Yeah. And it's just not true. We are human beings built in with a system to feel angry. It is a God given gift of which we must honor and respect and listen to and express in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Can we switch gears and talk about shame for a couple of minutes before we wrap Mm -hmm. up? Um, Mm -hmm. I am a big Brene Brown fan and Mm -hmm. she does an awful lot of talking and writing about vulnerability and shame and how shame, when you throw it, this isn't one of her Ted talks. If you throw it in a Petri dish and you add judgment and you add, um, fear and all this stuff to it, it just festers. But when you sprinkle it with self-compassion, it can't survive. And it makes so much sense. And I guess I'd love to just hear your thoughts on shame. And when you work with your clients and this comes up, how do you have them approach it. Yeah. Each person's slightly different. If, you know, I do some one-on-one work um, as well, but each person's slightly different in how I actually approach it. But what I do find is, well, one, we've got, and it depends on how much shame too, because we've got trauma shame, like sexual trauma. And there's a lot of women in the world, too many with a lot of sexual trauma, then that ushers in a whole level of shame as well. Um, And then, you know, that plays into our money shame. (laughs) Um, It absolutely is directly connected or, you know, how maybe we are in a lot of debt or have been, or we can't seem to get it, you know, above a certain level of income or, you know, revenue. And so there's shame about where we are in our life and how we feel like we should be on, be beyond something else. Um, So shame expresses itself in many different ways. 
Um, maybe we've done something, maybe we've, you know, done something we don't feel proud of and we're embarrassed about. And so we need some cleanup. But what I find is that shame is one of the, <laughs> it's one of the stickiest emotions um, to really um, dig into because it's the, it's the, it hits that most, as Bernie Brown talks about that most vulnerable place inside of ourselves. And so self-compassion, absolutely. Yes. But, and also one of the things that I do a lot of work around in the world of shame is play. Let's, let's create the antidote to create some more enlightenment so that I can actually unpack shame and what's going on for me and become unashamed, like literally becoming unashamed. But to do that, we need to attach to something healthy, something else. We need a bit of an anchor, I find. And so if we can enter into, okay, well, how can I really bring in more pleasure and more enjoyment into my daily experience? Then I can begin to open up, receive, and play which is creating spaciousness for that shame to work itself out. Because for so many, especially women around shame, I mean, we are so tightly bound. And so the process of play and enjoyment and pleasure begins to lightly open us up. Now, some people, now I'm not, we're not, this is not a sex show, so I won't go there. <laughs> um, but it's all directly connected, sex, money, power. It's all, it's all a little triad, hanging out together. Right. Um, but, you know, simple things like um, giving yourself a self-massage and starting with something so super basic, but yet so profound. And, and I encourage people to start from their toes, like get some special oil, you know, and literally spend five to 15 minutes just giving yourself a self-massage, which is accessing connection with yourself, but and also some pleasure, some simple pleasure in your day will help you do the shame work. Mm. Well, it's so true because so much of the shame, I think, creates a distance between you and yourself. As Brene Brown, again, says, you know, guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is I am wrong, right? That's right. So and, the, and, the, and then the, and the, the, I am wrong is like, for oftentimes, like, I feel wrong, and society's been telling me I'm wrong, or society's been telling me I'm not enough. Um, and then, you know, just our own traumas that we've experienced in our own life through childhood and, you know, up until adulthood, and then the traumas that we've perpetuated in our own life to ourselves, because I call it, well, you know, self-love through self-harm. Um, and, and so, yeah, there's all this shame that is showing us pointing to somehow we're wrong. We're not, we're not enough. We're, we're not a good enough and we're wrong. And, and it's just, and it's just shame has its place. Like everything has its poison and its medicine. But I think that for most women, it's really in the poison side of it, you know, how they're in relationship with it. Yeah. Right. It's just so uh, such unnecessary baggage sometimes that we put on yeah. ourselves and creating a healthier relationship with ourselves will allow us to start to sh cut that distance that we've, that we've created, right? And it'll allow us to start to, to be more compassionate, which again is the antidote to, to feeling this way about ourselves. 
compassion, self-compassion is one of one of the greatest tools that we could ask us um, to, yes, to help yeah. us move through these things that we are afraid to look at. And, you know, one of the, the things that I want to ask, you know, all of us here too, is I know you're uncomfortable. I know you're also probably really afraid of stepping in to do this kind of work, to really looking at sitting down, you know, self-examination and stepping into what is really true and what's really happening inside of you. I get that that's a scary place to go. And, and yet, are you willing to continue to perpetuate the purgatory or hell that you're living in now and do more of the same? Or are you willing to find the bravery to step into choosing yourself and saying, you know what, hey, what, guess what? I matter enough. I matter enough and I'm choosing inner freedom. And I know that I'm afraid, but I'm going to walk with fear because fear, fearlessness is not a without fear. Fearlessness is walking with the fear and saying, okay, I know I need to do this. I'm going to step into this and I can get support. Hey, Jennifer Love's over here willing to help me. Hey, Megan's over here willing to help me. And, and I can get support to not have to feel so alone in this, but I matter enough to step into choosing to do this kind of work for myself so that I can have freedom for not only for myself, but for my children, my family, for those in my life and my community, because I matter, but so do they. And if you want to be, if you really want to be an amazing mother, if you want to be an amazing partner, the best thing that you can do is to show them, not tell them, not try to teach them, show them, show them through what you are doing for yourself. That is how you create and build amazing, healthy children, an amazing, healthy partnership, an amazing, healthy financial life. I could not agree more. I, I think you have to, our role as leaders, as parents is to model out those kind of behaviors. And so we have to, again, going back to the first part of our conversation, get clear on how we can help ourselves because when we're stuck in this cycle of shame and guilt and fear we are modeling that for our kids and it's, this is our opportunity to break those generational patterns. And when it comes to parenting and when it comes to handling our money, because, you know, I think so many of us learn all of our money tendencies and our beliefs from how we grew up, from what we watched, from the way that we saw our parents handle it. So if it's not serving us, it's up to us to be able to change it. And I think having resources like, like you and I, in order to do that, somebody to hold your hand and support you through this process, even if it is scary, because it's going to be, but choosing to do it anyway, is one of the bravest things that you can do. Yes. Living wealthy is a decision. Yeah. It is a, it is a discipline. It is a devotional daily practice of manifestation. You want to manifest in your life, then it is a daily decision, a daily practice yeah. to do these things um, for yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. I love this conversation and I could talk forever. 
but I know we've been going for a little bit now, so I'd love to start wrapping, wrapping up. And could you yes. tell the audience how they can find out more about you and the work that you're doing and, and how they can just follow you? Yeah, so you can um, go to livingwealthyinstitute.com. That's where you find the butterfly ceremony series that I've talked about here. Um, also jenniferwealth.com, which is my personal site. And that's where the Living Wealthy quiz um, exists on Instagram at the Jennifer Love. And, you know, if you're interested, pop over to Instagram, hit one of the, you know, reply on one of the posts and introduce yourself because we've got a really cool community around these parts um, that I love to welcome you into um, and say hello. Awesome. Do you have a podcast as well? I do. The Nature of Money. And what do you, what, what do you do there? Do you have conversations with people or is it typical? Yeah, it's, it's unpacking. So we unpack the Cinderella story, for example. So I take myth and unpack myth. I show how nature is um, one of our master teachers in our relationship with wealth. Um, And then I talk to different experts, um, neuroscientists and, and the like around, you know, how these specific things are in, in our relationship with money are um, impacting us. So, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. I, this has been such a wonderful conversation and I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having it with me, Megan. Sending you a big hug, lady. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye.